0: Live from the offices of police background.net. This is, this is the Police Applicant podcast, podcast with your host Ken Royball. Hey, welcome to our amazing fans
1: and all our listeners in Podcast Land. This is the Police Applicant Podcast. This is episode 15. Christine, I'm three for three on that.
2: That kind of rhymes. Christine 15.
1: <laughs> Christine 15. Um yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to mention this again, but th- that one time that I, I said the wrong episode and <laughs> it was just silly, but um, yeah, you, anyways. You're
2: on, you're on it now. You're, you're right. on the spot with the right episode.
1: Yeah, I write them down. I write them down. So uh, uh, welcome, you guys. This is going to be a really good podcast uh, today. This episode has to do with being in a police family, specifically the spouse or significant other of a police officer. It's, it's kind of a unique position to be in. Um, it's not something that all people are meant to do. You cannot be a uh, wilting flower and be a police spouse or significant other boyfriend, girlfriend. You cannot. Uh, and there's a lot more we'll get into talking about that. But I want to welcome our special guest, Jen. Jen who's a police wife. You were first a police girlfriend, then you're a police wife. So uh, welcome, Jen, to the podcast. It's really great to have you here. We're excited about this.
3: Thank you. I'm excited as well.
1: And uh, um, what I wanted to do first in this uh, is if, Jen, you could tell us a little bit about how you got into this uh, this kind of lifestyle, because police... Oh man, I got so many things to say about police spouses and girlfriends and boyfriends because, boy, they're a cut above. My mm-hmm. wife, my wife uh, was a police spouse the whole time. I was—I mean, I got on the job after we got married, and um, this was at the time when, in 1980, when there were no cell phones, there were no answer machines, there was no email. Uh, you called the phone. You called the station. And if they're if you know, they, if you were in the station, they could get a hold of you. But I mean, now it's just a bad, bad time uh, for cops. Uh, but tell us a little bit about your background, how you got to be a police wife.
3: Well, I started out. I was an explorer for the sheriff's department when I was, I want to say, about sixteen years old. <laughs> And through that, a bunch of my explore friends started getting jobs because obviously we were under 18 at the time. So once we turned 18, we got jobs and a few people got a job at a contract city. They contract with the Sheriff's department as public safety officers. So civilian um, public safety officers. So I applied, I got the position. I worked in city hall for a little bit. Um, I worked with business watch, which is like neighborhood watch but for businesses within the city because it was a a large um, industrial area. So I was partnered up with a deputy and about six months later, I got promoted to a full time position, which was a call taker at the station. So the city I worked with or worked for uh, built a substation. So instead of the deputies coming from the main station, the ones that were assigned to our city went into the field from our city. So there was the bunk rooms, the briefing room, the black and whites, locker rooms, everything was at our substation. So I had a lot of interaction with them, completely like all day long. We monitored the radio, um, took calls for service, typed into CAD, did that for about six years, and then I promoted again to uh, conduct latent fingerprint investigations. So I'd go in the field, um, who done it burglaries, all those kind of calls, um, petty theft, and then eventually I became a supervisor there. So I was there for a total of seventeen years. I left to be a police dispatcher for another agency in another county. Completely different. (laughs) It's a different Mm -hmm. language, different codes, different culture. Everything was different. So I was there for about a year and a half and had my baby, my first baby, and decided to be a stay-at-home mom. So I met my husband, though, working where I worked at um, the Contract City. He worked for the main station, and we had the same circle of friends. So that's kind of how we were introduced.
1: So you um – you were already in the police culture.
3: Yes. That's, uh, so yeah, that's was- what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That gives me a leg up, I think, from a lot of the stuff. Cause I, I'll, I'll get to it later, but I, um, I founded a peer support group for spouses of my husband's department. And uh, we have people from my husband just graduated the academy to, oh, my husband's about to go to patrol. My husband's about to promote. We're about to retire. We are retired. We have the array of everything so I get to hear a lot of what people went through that I didn't actually experience and I'm able to provide some of the stuff that I've gone through firsthand because I was involved in it myself in a civilian capacity but still involved in law enforcement yeah, yeah, it sounds when, like
2: that helped too. like kind of being exposed to that prior to yes, that. You're, yes. It sounds like your husband kind of got lucky finding somebody that that well, already kind of had an idea of, of what was going on there. And
3: he dated someone before me who was a dispatcher at his station. And she was like, why aren't you answering the phone? I called you. Why didn't you call me back? And <laughs> she should know of all people like, why you can't call back. You know, right. get back. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah
1: well because you had been in that culture for so long since you were a teenager as an explorer and then being there for as long as you were the cops can come up to you and go you know it couldn't be all slick and and uh look at my badge you know yeah that didn't me. <laughs> that did not work on you it didn't impress um, me
3: no nope.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and there's a difference i think between um between the situation that you're in that you were already like, when I talk about that culture, I'm talking about the way police officers talk and what they go through and, um, what the families go through and, mm-hmm. and all of that, uh, that the, the way the, the cities or counties or States look at police officers, the families mm-hmm. go through that too. And so I want to, I want to touch on all of that stuff, um, in it with regard to now, the the the, obviously the theme for this is is for police candidates you are not just going into the job for yourself your 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 boyfriend girlfriend your spouse your parents they all go through the academy with you they're on the job with you everything you go through they're on pins and needles it's not just you so when you get when you apply for the job just know there's a whole lot of people that are uh, directly affected by what you, what happens to you.
3: Um, 100% We've had people even say, you know, I went through the academy with him. I wasn't there physically, but I went through all the emotions, all the ups and downs, the roller coasters, the stress, everything. Shined his boots for him or his belt or packed his lunch. It's right. all part of it. It's it's a kind of like a group effort if you.
2: Or even like you think about like running through flashcards or studying X, Y, and Z, like some of them are going to know that material. They're going to be, yeah, like you said, ironing their, their uniform or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, helping them prepare. I think like from, from A to Z that, that could mean anything. So I think, yeah, you definitely, um, everybody that's associated with you in whatever capacity is going to go through that to some degree, um, and And experience it. it. (laughs) Right. It
3: doesn't stop my graduation.
1: (laughs) No, I, that's I think that's just it, the
2: beginning. Yeah. I think yeah. it more it intensifies.
1: I remember specifically, well, and I want
2: to,
1: I'm sorry, go ahead.
3: No, they end up having to go on training too. And it's, it's kind of like you start all over again.
1: What yeah. was your first, uh, now your, your husband was on the job or was not on the job when you met him?
3: He was 13 years on when I met him.
1: Okay. Okay, so you had thirteen years, so he was already a veteran. Uh, What was when you first um, when you first got together with him? Was there anything that knowing that you already in the you know had been in the station for a while and all that kind of stuff? Was there anything that was kind of an eye opener for you that you did not realize being part of a police family?
3: Yeah, it was, it was actually completely different. I mean, yeah, I did have a little bit of introduction because I worked with people, but I didn't live with them. I didn't date them. So I mean, my husband kind of didn't even get to date because he was FTO. He was off at two, didn't get home till four, sometimes, sometimes even later. And so I'd wake up when he was off work so we can at least see each other for a little bit. I go back to sleep, go to work and he'd be asleep. So we didn't really get to date every once in a while, like a midnight Denny's run. But if he he like um, he was married before, so he had three kids. So if he wasn't working on his days off, he had his kids. So it wasn't like, oh, he's off. We can go to the beach today right. or go to the park or whatever. I hadn't met the kids yet. And he kept that separate for a while, which I'm actually really glad he did. But um, I think that's smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I think it took about a year and a half for me to meet the kids. Um, just because, like I said, he had dated somebody previously and it didn't work out. And he was kind of afraid to, to introduce that whole element again. Yeah. So, um, we waited a little bit. So yeah, when, when he was on his days off, that's those, that was his time with his kids. So I got the the nighttime after work time and, and that's just something I chose to do. A lot of people probably wouldn't have gone through that or, or thought, you know, this relationship's kind of one-sided. Yeah. It's, that's just how it has to be sometimes.
1: Yeah. How, how did you deal with uh, shift work? where his hours may be completely opposite of yours. And did that add stress to (laughs) your life?
3: As dating or as my husband? Either way. Or either. Uh, Well, when I was a dispatcher, I was on early mornings or graveyard shift, and Hmm. he was on PM shift. So, And I had never worked early mornings my entire life because the job I had was a day shift kind of thing. I was off by 6 PM. And so this the new job I had and then being a new mom working in graveyard shift, we had to coordinate what days my mom would come over to babysit. She'd have to come over a lot earlier because he had to get ready for work. So she needed to take care of the baby while he got ready. So there was a lot of coordinating of schedules. Uh, we, even now we have a um, dry erase board on the fridge and all his overtimes on there. Luckily, I'm a stay at home mom. So it's a little easier to juggle, but it is also more for me to juggle. It's not 50 50 anymore. It used to be very 50 50. You know, if I wasn't home, he'd do the laundry, he'd cook, it wasn't a big deal. Now that I'm home, I do it all. So it just, it just varies. It's the different seasons that we go through. But it was it was rough getting used to the the very shifts. And like I said, in the beginning, when we dated, I I couldn't see him on his days off. So I had to deal with him getting off at 234 in the morning. And try to date. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I remember. Uh, I remember working <clears throat> graveyards, and we called it morning watch. But um, my wife had been working at, a, at, at an insurance company at the time, and I, all we would do is we would we would write notes, Ugh. and then when she got up, she'd read a note. When I got up, she I'd read her note. You know, or I got home, and that's the way it was for months at a time. Mm -hmm. um so i think i think it's important for um for potential uh potential spouses or or significant other that's a big word uh (laughs) to know that uh it's not going to be you know uh, okay honey see you when you get home okay everybody's home all right let's all sit down to dinner oh boy the weekends here we're going we're going to go on a date and and it's not like that is it
3: it's not that at all <laughs> not at all so
1: how did you how did you deal with that cuz that was and imagine he had 13 years on so he was kind of working some of the shifts that he wanted and things like that but for the young for the young officers and their significant others how what's your advice to them uh, so the candidates to, that they have to look forward to in this type of life.
3: I think if, if as a spouse, you kind of have to roll with it. I mean, you, you, you have to realize what you're getting into. It's not, like you said, it's not rainbows and butterflies and, you know, weekends off and holidays off. We get used to not sal- celebrating birthdays on the actual birthday or, you know, not having the birthday party on Sunday or Saturday afternoon because he has to work, you know, if he could switch a shift, he'll try to do that, but that's usually not possible. Um, You just have to roll with it. Unfortunately. I mean, that's the easiest thing I could say. You have to be willing and open to roll with it. It is frustrating at times I'm not going to paint it out. Like I'm this easygoing person and Oh, that's fine. I get frustrated too. It it gets frustrating. I, I knew what I was getting into, but it's still different once you're in it. You know, people can tell you all day, this is how it's going to be. But every family is different. Every person is different. Um, Every agency is different. Um, What's expected of you is different. So you just kind of have to work together, talk about how things are going to be and how
2: you're going to deal with it
3: communicate as much as possible. I know it's not always
2: possible. (laughs) I think communication and flexibility is kind of like the name of the game, I guess, in terms of trying to just figure out the dynamic of how things change. Like if somebody's on a certain shift and then that, that changes sometimes. So I think figuring out the dynamic would have to be part of it, communicating that, like figuring out what works, who's going to do what and kind of agreeing on that. Mm -hmm.
3: And overtime too. I mean, there's, there's overtime's plentiful right yeah. now. It might be one way, but it's this week, my husband's working three overtime shifts. So he worked a PM yeah. early morning double. And then today he's working a day shift PM double and tomorrow a day shift PM, but double, and then he's off for two days. And then we get to start all over again. So
1: it's just, that, that's just what it is. <laughs> that's stressful.
3: It can be <laughs> it can stressful.
1: Be.
3: I mean, the kids are with my mom right now. So that's my little break. Other than that, I don't really get one. So Um, And yeah, you're,
2: you're lucky that you have your mom there because I know that like, that's a huge thing too. Like we're talking about how it does affect your family, but it does. I mean, even in that degree, like if you have children or even pets, like Mm -hmm. you have to rely on whatever um, support that you have. And it's, you're very fortunate to have that support because not everybody does. And I think that that it affects people like you going through that lifestyle change and through like living that lifestyle, but also, um, just in like in general, but also because like you, you need to lean on them for for support in, in those areas also when as, once you're on the job.
3: Yeah. As a police spouse, we are their biggest support, not right. just cheerleader, but just overall support. Like I make my husband's meals. I make sure when I make dinner for the family, I pack a bento box for him so that the next day he has a nice homemade meal instead of buying food. Cause you also have to be careful buying food, right? You walk into a restaurant in uniform. They may not like you or you've arrested the cook last week or whatever. Right. So we kind of don't trust eating out at restaurants and stuff um, on duty. So, or even make- eating fast
2: food and spending that money all the time too. It can be unhealthy. So it's nice yeah. to have the family support that you can lean on also. Mm-hmm.
3: That's, yeah, yeah that's where I was going down. with that is that we yeah. are our spouse's main support, but we also need support for ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: The, uh, you know, the academy part's really important for a lot of times the, uh, the candidates are fairly young. They're probably be, the majority of ones that I talked to are probably 21 to 25 years mm-hmm. old and uh, they haven't really, they're not really settled in family and they, a lot of them are just kind of, you know, feeling out life and they're not settled. And so mm-hmm. when, when it comes to the academy, um, I think it's important that the academy for a spouse can be an eye-opener. Uh, because for six months, you're, that, that police recruit, who you're married to, or you're dating, they're, they're not there for six months. You're fan, You're on your own.
3: Yeah, we actually, um, I spoke to, um, on at family night for the most recent graduation class from my husband's department. And, um, just cause we wanted to reach out. We wanted to let them know like, Hey, you're not alone. Now that they've graduated, there is this built in support system that you could come join so that we can kind of walk you through the next several phases that you're going to go through um, we also have a mentorship program in the group that I, um, that I founded. So we're able to kind of pair people who are new to this lifestyle to people who have been through a lot or been been on it for a long time. And so one of the questions I asked before I went to speak to the Academy, to the um, family night at the Academy, was what do you wish you would have known back you know what do you know now that you would wish you would have known back then or what would have been helpful for you
4: mm-hmm. and
3: a lot of people do say that they wish they would have had like a group that that we have that exists now where they had somewhere to turn to or they didn't know anybody and they were going through it alone and and now their their spouses in the academy they're going through it with 100 120 other recruits but the spouses don't know each other so yeah. if they're dating somebody or if they're married to somebody while they go through the academy, one of the you know, you have carpool partners. Right. I think almost all academy have academies have uh, carpool partners. If you have another partner in your academy class that, you know, is married or has a girlfriend, maybe kind of get them to meet or exchange numbers or something so that they can talk to each other because they're going through it, too. Mm-hmm. But they're going through it alone and the the recruit yeah. is not alone. So I think something like that would also be helpful to to share info and and let the wives or girlfriends kind of reach out to each other for that support.
1: You know, something that came up real early in my career um, was that the friends that police officers don't have anymore because now all of a sudden, what does your husband do? Oh, he's a, he's a police officer. Oh, especially in 2021. Yes. Especially in 2021, yeah. all of a sudden w- people who you used to hang out with, who were your friends, you tell them your husband is a cop and you're stigmatized. How do, how, is that why support groups are very important?
3: Yes. I personally don't talk to some of my family members anymore because of their take on, not just political stuff, but just law enforcement in general. Uh, um, so yeah. And it was <laughs> my mom's sisters. So people I grew up with that were babysitting me all the time, second moms to me. And, um, but it was always, well, you're not a police officer. So why should you be offended by what I said? And this was like, just before we got married, This was when Ferguson happened, Ferguson, Missouri. Mm. Um, and they kept putting memes up and just, silly things that I didn't agree with. And I usually let it go because they're my aunts. And uh, finally had enough and, and spoke up. And the fact that I spoke up to an aunt was like talking back to your mom. And I try to be as respectful as possible. I texted her privately and was like, hey, this is why I'm offended. This is why I don't agree with what you said. And and that didn't work. So
2: Because that's your family member. Yeah, just the same way that if, if they said something about your aunt, you would be offended. Yeah, You're obviously, yeah, it's going to bother you because that's somebody that you love and is your husband.
3: Yeah. So it was like, just because my, my work title is deputy sheriff or police officer doesn't mean I can't be offended. My best friends that I was explores with one of them I've known since second grade. Um, she's a Sergeant now and yeah, I'm going to be offended for them because right. Just didn't agree with what was said. and, And it was, basically ugly what was said. And I spoke up about it. So we didn't talk just recently. We kind of started being a little like, oh, hi, but that's kind of it. Um, So yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna have to let people go that don't support you don't um, condone what you do, or or they have their own opinions. And if you're able to kind of like, turn your head and let them have their opinion, that's fine. I have mine, that's fine. Then that's great. A lot of people can do that. But um, some people are just like ending friendships and relationships over being in law enforcement. And to me, that's fine. It's like the trash taking itself out to me. So
1: <laughs> so, so realistically, um, if so, re- you are treated very much the same as as your husband,
3: sometimes worse, I think, because um, we're not a lot of times we're not armed. And especially those social, social justice warriors online that can say whatever they want and and start calling you you know bootlicker or whatever or it's, or badge bunny or whatever in your life yeah badge bunny donut dolly all those silly yeah. things it's like you know I think they feel like they can get away with it because we're women they think we're weaker and it's like eh, you have as a police wife then because <laughs> 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 you know you you see mama bears I'm a wifey bear so yeah. It's it's uh, it's difficult sometimes it, it it weighs on us but I think we need to try to make the best of it and try not to let people get to us but sometimes you just need to disconnect for a while and and do some self care and stuff to to avoid all the negativity.
1: Yeah. Would you what would you suggest about uh, you were talking about people posting stuff I imagine like on Facebook or Instagram and things like that and um, being that police spouses are treated i mean you you know that in in life uh police officers generally aren't going to walk around going i'm a cop i'm a cop so nobody really hassles them when they're (laughs) off duty but you're never off duty you know and if somebody finds out that you're a police wife you're an open target so as with regard to social media and people that you know people that i mean what's your advice to police family or future police families who just cause it can be poison. It can be poison and if it, it can hurt your feelings. And I think a lot of times um families they they're shocked at the way they're treated so, sometimes just because their spouses are police officers. What what's your advice to to family members?
3: Well I used to be very um offended by a lot of things. I was offended pretty easily when it came to law enforcement, everything else in life, I'm pretty openly, like, I would ever say what you want, but just something about, you know, that's my husband, you know, especially after we got married. Um, but obviously for social media purposes, be private. Um, don't put all your information out there, you know, on Facebook, it asks like where you live and you're like, oh, I went to this high school. And you just think it's, it's. Um What's the word I'm you for, sorry. <laughs> it's Um, no big deal yeah "Yeah, it's not a big deal this is the high school I went to and you want to try to connect with people from high school so you put it out there so people can find you and no (laughs) don't don't do that I mean you could add people to be your friend but don't be open don't let um don't be an open target on social media um stay away from the comments on any news so like if you if you follow like the local news station and there's some type of police activity that they're it could be the most positive thing where two police officers did cpr on a drowned baby and brought the baby back to life and a year later now they're they're reuniting with the child that they saved who's the child is thriving now and you're still going to find comments on there that of idiots talking about the police officers and Oh well, that's one kid they saved, but what about all the other ones that they didn't, or the ones that they shot? Yeah. You know, it's just stupid comments. You just have to avoid them. Yeah, just avoid them. That's the best advice I can give: is just don't even read the comments, because most I, likely there's not going to be. There's probably going to be one in ten that's negative. Be a lot of good ones because there's a lot of yeah. people that support police out there that aren't very vocal about it, but they they do support police. It's the vocal ones that you hear about. So it seems like there's a lot of. People that don't support, um, yeah. especially the media, giving those people the, you know, the attention. But, um, yeah, I would just say stay off of the news uh, comments and don't put it out there that you're related to a police officer. Not out of shame, obviously, not out of shame. I'm very proud, but I don't have to yell it from the rooftops to everybody so that everybody knows. You know, People who know yeah. me, they all know. But if you don't know me, you don't need to know anything else about me. Right.
1: I think a lot of times that uh, police families, uh, they're very, they're very, uh, I don't want to say naive, they're very innocent when it comes to this mm-hmm. life, because you see photos and people openly on Instagram, Christine, you've probably seen this, is where, um, where they're posting, you know, my son, my brother, my cousin, my, my boyfriend, my husband, look, he just graduated from the academy. She just graduated from the academy. And they're all smiling. They're all excited not knowing that they're putting a target on their backs by putting it on their account. And it's a lot of times these photos, I'm not friends with these people, but they show up on my feed, which means they're public. Yeah. And now they just put a target on their back and their family's back for harassment because they now are, and I think it's, it can be an eye opener. So I think, I think a good tactic is to just be excited to private, but don't put it out there mm-hmm. for the world to see. And that's probably a very good idea. I mean, the
3: the simplest thing, they see the patch, they see what agency it is. Now they have the person's name. All you have to do is Google or go to certain people pay. But I know a free website. I'm not going to say it, but I know a free website we used when I was a dispatcher. We we used to call it legal stalking because if we need to find somebody for the officers, we would put in their name and I'd find out who they're married to, their phone number, their email addresses, all their previous addresses. Mm-hmm. And that was all free. It's just free information. You just type in their name and, and possible city that they live in. But you, you just put California or whatever state and you yeah. can find out where they live, especially if you find out the agency. If they don't live in that city, they probably live not too far from it. So it, it's just so much information's out there that people don't realize can be used against you. So you just have to be really careful about it.
1: Yeah, they're they're uh, that information. All you gotta do is pay a fee, and you can get people's addresses, phone numbers, all kinds of stuff. Um, and I I I opted mm-hmm. out of those public ones because I ran my name one time, and I said, "Holy cow, it has my address? Has you know all this stuff on there?" And uh, so I went through the trouble of mm-hmm. of scrubbing the internet for my stuff. And um, I think it's mm-hmm. important for everybody to do it, especially police officers. I was listening to a podcast. I don't know if you're familiar with the. Um, Uh, officer, I want to say officer Degas situation in La Mesa, uh, where he arrested, a he arrested, I I just listened to it yesterday. Anyways, he arrested a guy. And Mm -hmm. then, um, and then what happened was it hit the, this thing was on, on video and then somebody posted it on YouTube or wherever on social media. And she said that, that, um, her husband had come home after the incident. They thought everything was okay because it was a righteous arrest and use of force. By that evening, there were people gathering outside their home, and she said it didn't stop. Mm -hmm. The death threats, the phone phone calls, the, the protests at their home, their personal home, didn't stop for a month. They had to sell their house and move. And I just want to, Christine and I are very, very upfront with people with regard to this job. You need, we're not playing, and mm-hmm. Jen knows this, we are not playing when it comes to keeping your personal information off the phone, she, off, the, uh, off the internet. She said, I wish I had known to scrub my information off the internet uh, before my husband got the job. Because they were married before, he, he'd, only, he'd only been on there for three years when this happened, this is still going on today, but um, mm-hmm. uh, she said she had wished she had known to scrub the information and to not do stuff on um, social media. So I'm, I'm sure you would concur with that.
3: Oh, 100 percent. We just had uh, a few months, uh, several months ago now, there was a shooting and um, they somehow found out where the deputy lived and they showed up to his house too. same same situation or similar situation. Well, and he's talking- also married to another deputy, so it's double deputy house, and so they have, ah. to have security.
2: They had to leave. They had to stay somewhere else. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy.
1: That's 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 scary.
2: I even think about yeah. things like um, yeah. like little things, like how like those check ins. Like, for instance, it, you have to kind of know your area too. like being aware of the, the, the place you live, like uh, whether or not it's like the, what political climate or whether or not people are really supportive of police. And obviously, if they're not, yeah, you have more cause for concern. But I think even just trying to be as careful as possible, but even like knowing do uh, do people maybe know where you live or like is your information potentially out there like um, those check-ins where it's like, oh, you know, so-and-so Jen is on vacation checking in at so-and-so international airport. Mm -hmm. Now you've just put out there on social media to God knows who, or, and even if your page is private, people now know, people talk like, oh yeah, they're out of town. And now you're, now they know that your house is empty, things like that. Mm -hmm. Or the stickers on the back of your car, like, oh, I'm so proud of my honor roll student Mm -hmm. at such and such school. Mm -hmm. Now people know where your kids go to school. Now, like those stickers on the back of your car, they know that you have two or three kids and they know that you have a dog in the house. They they see a thin blue line flag. They know that you have maybe expensive guns or whatever, you know, things like that. We just don't mm-hmm. even, we're not even aware of how much free information we're giving to people, not only to be sold on like, you know, in the technology world, but to people that could potentially pose harm to you and people you care about. And it's scary and it's sad yeah, yeah. that we have to be that way, but you just, you do
3: you have to yeah we don't have any stickers on our car no thin blue line anywhere um and then like we just came back from vacation but i didn't put anything on social media or anywhere yeah, the only post-
2: people out of town was my mom and the people we were going to visit that was right like, and post knew. pictures from your vacation when you get back if that's yeah. something that you want to do yeah when you once yeah. you get back and once you're home things like that and and it's not even about like You know, you see Ken all the time, like so-and-so graduates from the academy. I don't think that it's bad to celebrate that and maybe post a picture of it if that's something that you're happy about to share with your family and friends because that's a good thing for you to keep in touch with family and friends. But you do want to take whatever precautions you can in terms of trying to keep your page private and maybe Mm -hmm. make that. So it's try like Mm -hmm. make sure your privacy settings are a little bit more stringent and that it's not super public and that people who know you um, and, and friends of friends are, who are going to see that, um, that, that, you know, who is potentially going to, I, I think it just boils down to being as careful as you possibly can.
1: That's where that, yes. that uh, being naive, uh, to the, to the yeah. life of a police officer, um, comes in where you shouldn't be posting that publicly, uh, because you just, you just labeled yourself and not that they're going to, you know, a, a police academy graduate they're not going to go doxing them and show up at their house and all that but right that's where it starts it's just good to be in the habit of um just being aware for, yeah for police for police candidates who listen to this podcast the time to start uh scrubbing the internet of your presence is now
0: mm-hmm.
1: right now because you'd be surprised if you it, i encourage everybody to run their name to run their name because not only does your does your name and address and all of a sudden siblings, um, your parents, parents, your kid, they all show up like attached to you. And now they have all this information on them. And so you want to be proactive about that because it's, it can be, uh, it can be dangerous. There's this, this is not the only time it happened uh, in La Mesa with this officer, you, they showed up and, and if you are involved in any kind of use of force, the one in, in La Mesa with this officer that, That was just a use of force. I mean, the guy didn't go to the hospital or anything. He was, it was just a physical arrest and they showed up on his, at his house, but um, police families have to be very vigilant about that. Uh, Before we move on to the next, next section, uh, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here for a a quick commercial. We'll be right back.
0: Policebackground.net is the premier background investigation prep site. With veteran investigator Ken Ryball, who spent 16 years conducting over 1,400 LAPD backgrounds. For more information, go to policebackground.net.
1: So, Jen, um, you talk to you talk to young to young spouses, young wives, and and husbands like that. What is, what do you do? You find that they are generally. They're kind of the, the the wide-eyed, excited mode. And do you have to tell them sometimes what the real deal is?
3: I think a lot of them, because um, the most ones that I, I talk to, they've already graduated the academy, but maybe recently um, not going into the academy. I'd like to reach out to that. Maybe that's something we can do as our group. But um, I think naive is the word you used earlier is a perfect description of it just because they just don't have an idea they don't know yet you don't know until you're there I think you can't prepare there's only so much preparation you can do um and even if you prepare all that you can it's still not going to be enough like you just you don't know what you're going to deal with until you have to deal with it it just kind of hits you and you have to roll with it um and the best thing I can say is just hang in there Because um, somebody in my group had mentioned, you know, you go through seasons. So you go through the academy. You're like, okay, there's light at the end of the tunnel. They graduate from the academy. You're like, okay, cool. So then, you know, depending on the agency, they either go straight to patrol or they go to court services or custody. And like for our department, um, they go through custody custody division. And they're in there for a while. My husband worked there for six years before he went to patrol. But nowadays it's a little quicker maybe a year, year and a half or so, even sometimes less depending on what station or what um, bureau they go to. And now you're having to deal with field training. And some of them say that's almost like the Academy all over again. Cause mm-hmm. the late nights, you know, they can't leave until the report's complete and then it gets kicked back by the sergeant. So they have to write it over again and their FTO went home. So now they're by themselves and like, I don't know how to fill out this report or what to do. So, it's kind of going through it all over again with them being late and having to pack their lunch and having to help them shine their shoes. And then after they're on training they okay, they're, they're off training, but they're on patrol. So there's that extra worry of now my spouse is in patrol. You see all that on, going their on own. In the news. Yep. Yep. So it's like, it's, a, it's just like a cycle and it's different seasons, but it just doesn't like, you don't get to just rest or relax. Oh, now he's working this, or now she's at this area there's always a new worry and a new, a new um your lifestyle kind of changes and you have to figure that out you have to figure out a new routine
1: yeah it's uh you know back in the day back in the day uh when something <laughs> happened in a in a certain town if there were going to be any protests or something it would be in that town now mm-hmm. something can happen in michigan
4: oh and yeah they they're,
1: they're <laughs> protesting, they're blocking in the California Las
4: Patrol, Yeah, like, what last the heck? year,
1: <laughs> yeah, and the whole—I mean, you can just—you can just bet. I, and in mm-hmm. in 2020, 2021, mm-hmm. I mean, I just—I uh, was just watching all that stuff. The the uh, the George Floyd, all the protest. It was like every freaking day and night. It was nonstop. And I and back in um, without going in any any detail of it in 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 1992 i got ptsd from the from the uh la riots and and after about a year it subsided and blah 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 and then i'm super interested just like everybody else in 2020 i'm watching all the news and it the ptsd came back and i was just like Mm i i had I, i didn't figure it out for a while but i cannot imagine being a police spouse or a police family member and every day days off are canceled um, you know and uh, th- for weeks at a time and just knowing mm-hmm. that that your spouse your husband didn't have anything to do with this stuff and people are throwing rocks and bottles and, and bags of urine mm-hmm. at his at, at your husband and their co-workers because they have to hold the line what how did you handle that stress and it's every day day for i'm getting all worked up (laughs) (laughs) how did you deal with that, jen
3: it was rough because it was 12 hours on 12 hours off so every day off was canceled vacations were canceled people who were on vacation were called back in hey sorry your vacation's canceled unless you're on a plane come back into work and so um you know their normal shifts were different because it was 12 hours on 12 hours off so you might work a day shift and now you're working p.m graveyard or early morning whatever um the agencies call them and um and then they're out and you're watching the news you might see your husband on the news or your wife on the news and or their unit at least so you're looking is that them is that them are they okay then you know we're hearing oh um i i found out a deputy was uh, rushed to the hospital and you're trying to figure out their name is it somebody i know is it my spouse is it one of their partners and um trying to not watch the news too much because the kids were here, you know, we'd be sitting watching TV and all of a sudden there's breaking news and my kids are like, Oh, is Dad okay? And I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. And we just change it, put it back on cartoons or something like that. And you you try to shield your kids from it as much as you can, but you also don't want to totally make it seem like the world is grand. And, you know, you, you kind of have to find that balance of letting them know what's going on. Daddy's not coming home tonight. Daddy has to work again. Um, you know, we had plans that day for dad's day off, but um, daddy has to work. So we're going to have to reschedule it and try to get your kids to understand that um, they have to be a little bit flexible, too. Or now dad's working graveyard shifts. So in the morning, we got to be quiet because daddy needs to sleep because he has to go back to work in a few hours. So yeah. the, the home life was was kind of tiptoeing around eggshells and stuff with being quiet, not not being vocal, but um. Mm-hmm. The worry, the constant worry that they're now not working their normal station that you're familiar with or you're familiar with the city that they patrol. Now they're working downtown L.A. that you're not really familiar with and and stuff and when to Santa Monica or wherever things were popping up, it was like whack-a-mole, you know, something would happen mm-hmm. and then they'd send everybody over there and then something else would happen and they'd send them over there. And you just, yeah. I was watching the news. I was kind of glued to it in the beginning, making sure my kids were busy and not paying too much attention to it. And after a while I just had to turn it off. It was just too much. And you know, I would just have him text me whenever yeah. he could, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm good. All's good here. But even his station, they had to have, Um, deputies on top of the station as like security Mm -hmm. up on the roof looking out for the station itself. So that was stressful too.
2: I think it's, it's hard and would be traumatic already to, to think about like just generically thinking like, Oh, you know, you look at your husband and you know, like, Oh, this is a good person. This is a good guy. And it sucks already to have other people who have no idea about what kind of person he is labeling him as mm-hmm. in such a negative light. But, mm-hmm. but then especially now, like Ken was saying, like something could happen on one side of the country and they're like, Oh, obviously it's California highway Patrol. Like, why are you going after the chippies? They didn't do anything. <laughs> like, yeah. So I think like, I, it's just stuff like that. Like, I don't, I can't imagine just like how crappy it would already feel to be like, Oh, this is such a great person. This is my friend. This is my family member. This is my loved one. And these people hate him. Just be, and they have no idea. Like that's already. And
3: you get people talking crap about police. Oh, but not your husband. Yeah. (laughs) So how do you do that? Thanks for the compliment. Thanks. My husband's not what you think he is, but all the other ones are.
2: It's like that's not a compliment, right? Well, and that's like everybody he associates with is a terrible person. And I mean, I think about too that, like, you know, your kids going to school nowadays, you have to worry about like what they're going to hear at school because such and such kids going to come to school and be like, Oh, you know, cops are doing X, Y, and Z. And then your kid is at school hearing, like, is my dad a bad person? And you're like, does my Mm -hmm. dad do bad things? It's like, no, Uh, it's just, it's a lot. And they, I I mean,
3: we kind of teach our kids not to really say it out loud to people. I mean, we're, we're very proud of dad. Dad's in a great profession. He helps people. Even my three-year-old is like, Oh, daddy helps people. I'm like, yes, he does. Baby. He helps people all the time. Daddy helps people all day long. And but our 10 year old you know he, he kind of is a little bit more aware of, of what's going on, but he doesn't put it out there really that his dad's a police officer just, and, and where he goes to school it's it's pretty supportive, cool but we've just kind of taught him since he was young to kind of like you know unless we know him really well it's kind of a need to know basis
2: right and how sad is that already that they can't talk know? about the good things mm-hmm. that their parents do yeah
1: well that kids can be pretty pretty brutal at times and mm-hmm. they only parrot their parents you know if you really want to find out what a parent believes listen to some kids talking and uh, mm-hmm. you'll find out which ones are prejudice and all that yeah. and which ones hate cops you know, yeah it's just, it's
2: just unfortunate to know that like that pe- people that are that have negative things to say are allowed to be so vocal but people who have mm-hmm. positive things to say have to be quiet and that stinks mm-hmm. And I yeah, think that, I that kind like of lately, plays into why like pro police people are a little bit more like, yeah, we know that a lot of the vast majority of people support police, but they don't talk about it because they feel like they can't. Mm-hmm. So
3: I think lately I've been noticing a lot more kind of tired of being quiet about it and being right. more vocal, like there's yeah. a lot more Instagram accounts that I've noticed that are police wives and they're they do their reels or their TikToks about being a police wife. And it's it's cool for us to see like, okay, hey, they're just like me and they're dealing with it. Like just funny things like tell me you're a police wife without telling me you're a police wife. And they show like a bunch of black socks and a bunch of white t shirts or bullets in the in the laundry and like just silly things like that that we all kind of deal with. It kind of gives us like, okay, it's okay. It's it's I can but you still have to be careful. It's social media. You don't want to put too much out there either. But it's nice to see that more people are starting to come out in support and and be vocal about it and not care or not be, not that they don't care. They're not as concerned or not as worried as they were in the past.
1: Yeah. I follow a a police wife on TikTok. I get a bunch of police videos and stuff. And a lot of times they just kind of throw it back in the police haters' faces. She's put up one time, they can put up the little comments that they get from people. And up in the corner the comment says like something like um, she's dancing and stuff like that. And they she has the comment up there and she says like uh, uh the comment says, how's it, how does it uh, feel to be married to, I mean, to be a pig wife and she's dancing. She goes, how does it feel to be a dumbass? <laughs> they, <laughs> yeah. they just blow it off. They don't give a crap because I think people don't give a crap anymore. It's just, yeah. Yeah. It, it just slides off them anymore. You, do you have anything mm-hmm. new, anything new you can add to how cops are this or that. I mean, I really don't care anymore.
2: They're like, um, they're like, how does it feel to be a pig wife? And she's all, Have you ever tasted bacon? <laughs>
1: <laughs> bacon. <laughs> Who doesn't yeah, love bacon? With,
3: you have to turn it around. You have to because it'll it'll kind of eat you up, like a cab. You know. I okay. Yeah. All cops are badasses. Yes, they are. <laughs> or the police. Yes, I do. The, <laughs> you know, like the, the tumblers, like you know something like this. They'll put like f the police. Yes, I do. And they have like handcuffs on there. You, <laughs> yeah. I don't get like, or or you know like like I said earlier, they say oh you're a bootlicker. I'm like well actually I shine his I spit shine his boots, but I don't I don't like them. They don't taste too good. You know just just, yeah. just
2: like throw
3: it back at them because well and it's exactly frustrating.
2: It yeah, it's frustrating to me because like you hear you hear these terms like like uh like bootlicker not so much, but like badge bunny. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. so maybe, maybe there are girls that like specifically have a type and they go out and they are only interested in Mm -hmm. doing X, Y, and Z with these people that are in a uniform, but that's totally different. And it frustrates me that they associate women who are married that just happen to be married to people who happen to be police officers, that they're now associated with women that are like shallow and only go after that type of person. So it's totally different, but it's just an easy way to pick fun at people.
3: It's funny that you say that though, because when I used to work, um, not long after I was an explorer, so I was still in my early 20s, and because they do exist, Google. they do
2: exist. Yeah, I, and and <laughs> I'd go to the
3: off-training parties because a lot of these people I worked with, so it wasn't like you know, right? But you'd see the kind of people that go to those, and you're like, eh, that's a bad bunny. She's looking for a dental plan or whatever we would say, <laughs> right? So they do
2: <laughs> exist, they, they do exist, exist. Uh, they but, do, but yeah. it doesn't they it doesn't exist. mean that it doesn't mean that spouses can be associated no. with them because it's like no, you because they be lock it down when when and they're and married. To the <laughs> yes,
3: you exactly. many first's it's, it's, if, if they're single, if everyone's single, then it doesn't matter right.
1: Yeah. Well, uh Jen, what is the uh what's the stigma uh, and this is something we probably we need to talk about anyways. what's the stigma with police families and divorce?
3: Oh. uh they think it's inevitable or you know, I don't know what the current stats are. I heard that they're a little bit better than they used to be. Um, my husband was married before we met and um so let's you know i have three bonus babies he has three kids with his first wife bonus babies um, <laughs> so my bonus baby <laughs> not that kind of bonus like extra not
1: <laughs> extra, extra baby
3: um i don't like to say step i actually you can't see it but i have a sign back there that says um we are not step or half we are simply family so we don't mm-hmm. like to yeah, say cool. that the kids my kids versus your kids or anything like that they're our kids we always say well i kids, i so think can. that
2: that's what makes you a perfect candidate to be a stepmom, is because mm-hmm. you don't see yeah. it that way.
3: That was talked about in the very beginning of dating. Is I, admit, I said something a certain way, and I didn't mean it the way it came out. But I just said something like, "One day when we have kids," and he goes, "I, I said something have- about it," and he kind of corrected me and was like, "I don't ever want it to be where our kids versus my kids. They're yeah. all our kids." And I was like. Okay. And we were still dating at the time. We weren't living with each other yet, but we knew it was kind of going in that direction. And right. so I kind of, from that moment on, I was just, no, these are my kids. The 10 year old, I was, he was about a year and a half when I came around, he calls me mom and he calls me mom in front of his mom. And sometimes I'll mm-hmm. say mom. And she's like, yes. And he goes, no, Jen. And she goes, Oh, he's calling you. So her and I luckily have a really good relationship where good. she's not offended by that, you know, she buys my kids birthday and, and Christmas gifts. Um, the kids I gave birth to.
4: Um,
3: (laughs) We're at a baseball game for Little League and my youngest one is 16 months old. He'll be crying and I'm like trying to deal with him and trying to watch the game and she'll come up and swoop him and go take him for a walk for me and stuff. So we kind of have, It's I don't think it's a very typical relationship, but it it should be. (laughs) It should be very Mm -hmm. typical. Um, There's nothing for us to fight about. It's all about the kids. The oldest one is 22. So we've kind of been doing this for a little while, but um, I think- you know, you kind of have to be willing to deal with the new person. If you were the first spouse, um, hopefully everybody gets along and there's a reason to respect that other person. Um, right. My, she was in a, in a bad car accident with the kids where her, her dad died and the kids mm-hmm. were in the car. So we got the phone call. Hey, we're on the side of the road. Can you come pick us up? I don't know where we are. We're somewhere on the 15 freeway, which it's a long freeway. It could be anywhere. And, um, we had a, I had to leave work and, and go meet the kids at a CHP office. The CHP officers brought the kids because the mom was airlifted and obviously the the grandfather had died at the scene and, um, they couldn't get a hold of my husband because he was in training. He had to be at the museum of tolerance for some training.
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: so they called me. And after the fact, she was like, the fact that you just left work, you just, I just told my boss, I got to go. My kids were in an accident. I have to go. And my boss was like. OK, let us know. I took a few days off of work to to be with the kids. They were you know, traumatized by it. And um, <laughs> she had told me I the fact that you dropped everything and came to help my kids as if they were their, your own. She's like, I love you. I love the, anybody who can love my kids like their own. I love you. Mm. And so we've had a great, even better relationship since then. So that's we awesome. have that mutual respect. So I, I, like I said, I don't think that's very typical. I'm very lucky that we do have that together. Um, but yeah, I mean, divorce happens. I don't think it's anything with this profession itself. Um, They might say it might be a little higher, but just I think in general, today's world divorce right. rates are really- that's what high. I was going to say. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I, don't I, think, think- I don't think it's special to police families. I think it's just the culture of today. You know, people back in the day, It was like so taboo to divorce, and nowadays it's it's a little easier. It's there's no stigma to it, but um, yeah, I mean it it is a reality, but I don't think it's special to to police families. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think that, yeah, like it's the divorce, like you said, the divorce rate is so high that it's kind of hard to say that it would be unique to any profession. I think that it's probably, it can be common among professions that cause, you know, things to be difficult. And this is definitely Mm -hmm. one of those and it makes it difficult, but it's definitely not impossible. And it doesn't have to be higher, you know, than, than what the regular rate is. I think that this country Mm -hmm. faces a high divorce rate. And I think that going in with a, a an attitude about that and having an awareness of that and the willingness and putting the effort into work on it. And I think that that's definitely something that, that you can overcome and it doesn't need to be a statistic.
1: Well, I think a, a I, yeah. word of it. Adv- I was going to say go a, a word of advice mm-hmm. to police candidates is when you go into the job, just, you're not married to the job. The yeah. job is a job. You could easily, there there are police officers now who just, say, I'm going to do something else. And they quit and they go do whatever else because their, their identity is not in the badge. And so you can't put family before the job. You can't, um, you, you, if, if it gets too stressful. So just know that when you go, when you get into this profession, it's a job, just like everybody else. People think that I'm a cop and now I'm, everything is, I'm a Mm -hmm. cop and it can't be that way. That's how this stuff happens. Um, and so before before we go, I have a couple of things I want to I want to talk to you about. This this may take a, a few minutes to talk about. Um, one thing that I realized, and this it's funny because I didn't realize it till a couple of decades in that what my wife had to go through to be a police wife, the type of person she had to be to be a police wife, and the fact that I you know had I had I thought about if I could go back and do it over again, I would do things differently. Because the, 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 what I think about is that she was basically a lot of the times, cause I loved work. I loved working nights. I hated days because it was just, there was nothing going on. So I'd be gone. And what I realized in my exuberance for patrol and all that is that my wife was a single mom. Much of the time she was there with the kids all the time while I was out gallivanting on patrol. And I didn't think about that there were kids. And so she was basically the one who did everything. Jenny
2: is the man.
1: Jenny's the man. (laughs) And so, um, and then the other part of that question, it's not sort of like a question, but the other part of that is when your husband comes home after all this stress, what do you view your role as a police wife when you see him just like I don't know I think I think some cops go home it's not only men it's women female officers men officers they go home and you could just see it on their face that it really weighs heavy on them. What do you what do you feel like the role of the of the police spouses?
3: Well when putting my my peer support group together for police or for LASD spouses uh, we worked with uh, psychological services bureau when we were first putting it together. So we talked to one of the doctors on there. I actually email her all the time to kind of update her on our group. And uh, she's been so helpful and she, we had a zoom meeting with her and she suggested, and I didn't do this before. And, and even as long as I've been around it, just because I didn't see it that way. But once she brought it up, I started like, Oh, I need to do that. She said, cause she was also a police spouse, um, even being oh, wow. a psychologist. That's helpful. And um, so that's why we mm-hmm. were, yeah, we were able to identify with, with her a lot or she could identify with us. So taking her advice really helped us, but she said that she, she would always give him his 10 minutes. He'd get home. 10 minutes was all he wanted. So it, it you know, and I'm not, a lot of times in, in being a police spouse, we kind of have to give more than we take. I think in any relationship you should anyways, but they're dealing with stuff outside the home I'm dealing with stuff inside the home and you can kind of compare and contrast it all you want but yeah my day's stressful he even tells me you work harder than I do but um give them that time to decompress because they have the weight of the world on their shoulders while they're at work and I think when they get home where their safety where their where they're home, any word you can think of for home, you know, that safe place, that safe place you come to at the end of the day where you can take your shoes off and take a deep breath and kind of not, you know, have your head on a swivel, you're at home. And so we want to make sure that we're providing that safe place, that comfortable space where they can come home, kind of chill for a little bit. And then, you know, I don't want to just, he's home. Here's the baby. I'm done. I'm done for the day. You have <laughs> now, you know, that's, that's not good either. He's, he's tired too. So we kind of have our little bit of routine. Um, but like I said, he's working overtime the other night, early mornings, he works two to three nights a week on overtime. So our, our routine kind of changes from day to day, but yeah, just giving him that space and he knows he can talk to me. I, I think it helped that I did kind of work in a civilian in law enforcement. I, I used to go to calls with the deputies that I worked with. So I'd go to suicide calls and fatal car accidents and um, domestic violence, kids being hurt. I've I've been, I went on a lot of ride-alongs as well. So that also helped me gain that perspective. Um, That's also something that police spouses can do. I wouldn't recommend going with your spouse on the Mm -hmm. ride-along, maybe Mm -hmm. go with somebody else. I don't even think a lot of agencies allow that, which I, I think is a good idea not to allow that. Yeah. Um, to get an idea of what they deal with, I think a lot of times um, I mentored somebody in our group and she she said that her husband wasn't really communicating with her a lot. And she was kind of taking it. Well, obviously, she was taking it personally. And I kind of gave her a different perspective. I'm like, well, maybe he's trying to shield you. Maybe he went into the job a little naive. Eventually, he got a little jaded and. Like my husband, he said he was sheltered compared to, he didn't think he was growing up, but looking back, he was a little sheltered because once he became a deputy, he was like, people do this. Like people are, you know, there's a lot of monsters out there. People actually live these types of lifestyles. I couldn't, he couldn't believe it. And so now you have your wife and you're trying to shield your
2: wife from knowing that things like that are out there and stuff. And you don't, I I think you don't want to tarnish what the safety net that you have at home by bringing that into the home, but you need to be able to communicate with them about the stuff that you see.
3: Yes. So there's a balance that you have to find that works for both of you. Um, But I think once I told her that she kind of was like, Oh, I didn't even think of that. So it's not that he doesn't want to talk to me. It's that he's trying to protect me from some of the stuff that he sees and deals with. And so um, I think finding that way to communicate he doesn't have to tell you exactly every single detail of the worst call he's ever gone on but still talk about it because i think a lot of police officers bottle that up and it does turn into PSD, ptSD sorry or it turns into you know having to go to anger management or whatever it is because they bottle that up and they don't feel like they can so as spouses we need to let them know like we can handle it hopefully right. yeah with, you know, with I can my handle uh, you can tell me
1: with my wife, um, I I found out years later, I didn't I didn't know this at the time, but I found out years later that I didn't tell her a lot of stuff. I would come home and i go, oh, we went in a car chase. It was really awesome. Yeah, I got the guy. But then later <laughs> on, I'd be talking with old partners and we'd be sitting across the table and go, remember when that happened and, that, and this and, that. and then And then my wife would later, you never told me that. I said, no, I didn't? Oh, and I just think that I just tuned it out that I didn't um share with her a lot of the really bad stuff um and and um she and this went on for a few years every time I would mention something yeah one time that happened to me or something like that and and she would tell me I I never told her about that and I think that there's a tactic Uh, I don't think it's a good tactic and I think you touched on this where where your your spouse comes home and you go what happened you never tell me what happens at your job. I want you to share with me. And is that what's the what what's the what's the you know, there? I'm sure there's a dance there that you do where you want to be supportive, but you don't want to push too, right.
3: Yeah, you don't want to push because maybe they're not ready to talk about it. I mean, I know um, one of my mentors when I worked at the contract city ended up being my husband's mentor also. So he's a mutual friend. He's kind of how we met. We actually just visited him last week when I said I went on vacation. We went to go visit him and his wife. And um, he's the one who told me what had happened. He's like, hey, just FYI, he and I went to a call tonight and a little baby died. And the baby was the same age as the now 10-year-old. I think he was about three. And he's like, so, you know, just beware. So I had that, like, I was lucky to have somebody to kind of be a little bit of a buffer. Like, hey, heads up, he may not mention it, but this is what happened. So I was able to be like, "Hey, you know, he told me what happened. I'm really sorry you had to deal with that," and that kind of helped him be able to talk to me. Not every call. I mean, he didn't call me every call. Hey, he went to this call today. Um, one time, my husband had to use his gun, and the same friend was like, "Hey, he's okay, but this is what happened." So then later on, I'm all, "Hey, I heard what happened. Just let me know when you're ready to talk." So mm-hmm. we text a lot. Um, obviously, when we're home, we don't text each other, but. You know on the drive to work and stuff like that so i'll text him and and sometimes he would tell me what happened via text before he got home so once he got home he already felt like he got it off his chest yeah so sometimes if that helps people if they don't want to open up and, and freely speak about it maybe maybe just a text just to let you know little details of what happened but i think it's very important for police officers to talk to somebody i mean why not your wife why not your spouse wife husband? Um, but you should talk to somebody, especially if something's like really bothering you and, and you can't get it out of your head. You need it. It needs to be dealt with. I think that's really important. I think now people are starting to come out and, and really talk about wellness because it's super important. Mm-hmm.
2: Ken, I think that you're right about like totally how there there must be a dance there. Right. Because. The, the spouse at home mm-hmm. or not in the profession wants them to feel like or wants to feel like they're not left out of such a big part of their life. Right. Mm-hmm. But they also want to make sure that they're healthy and getting things off their chest that they need to. But then there's also, also that dynamic of at work. You know, I don't want to feel left out of, you know, my spouse's life. And that's such a big part of their life is their work. But you also don't want to be left out when they you know that they have partners at work that they're talking to about it. So it's like you want to be involved, but without pushing them to talk about stuff before they're ready. And I think having that time for them to decompress when they get home is is like crucial, but also to be able to get it off their chest. So it's not something they're carrying around, um, but with also without also having them have to relive it at home, because once they get home, they should be able to leave that at work. So you want to be able mm-hmm. to have that dance where they they talk to you about it. So you're satisfied in the relationship, feeling like you guys communicate and that they can get it off their chest, but also without having to relive it in their safe space is it can be difficult. But you kind of yeah, you have to find out what works for you, I think. And once you do, then that's got to be just the game plan. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I can't imagine how hard that would be.
3: I think sometimes they also want to shield us. Like I was saying earlier, they want to shield us from it. So they don't want to tell us something like that. But no, I mean, hopefully, you know, your spouse enough to know what they could handle. Like I could handle all the gory details of anything. I mean, you could I've heard some stories. I've seen some stuff so I can handle it. Not everyone can. Um, just because of whatever, you know, life experience they had or it might trigger something else that they right. dealt with in the past. So I think there you do have to kind of be careful, but you have to know your spouse and know what they can handle so that you can right. at least give them something, give them something so that you're communicating. You keep
2: that communication open. Right. And and I think that it's in your guys's situation, just as an example, he he owes it to himself to get that off his chest, but he also owes it to you. So that you're aware, so that when when mm-hmm. he comes home, you're not dumping what's happening at home onto him without knowing that that he's going through some stuff, yeah. you know. So he owes that to you yeah. to be able to have you aware. Because if you're not aware, Another. yeah, if you're not aware, then you're not then you're not able to know, and it's unfair, for, you know, for him to feel upset that you're doing X, Y, and Z. if you if you're you don't know, so.
1: You're, before we before we go yeah. i want to address the elephant in the room and um you know one time i was working with a uh, a partner of mine who on patrol and it was a classmate of mine and so we had come up through the academy and and um and i knew uh i think i, I don't know if we had hung out or something but i, I knew uh, i knew his wife i'd met his wife before and we were already maybe i want to say three four years on the job so we we're off probation we we're working patrol and he told me flat out. He was saying that um, that his wife, who had gone through the academy with him, had been on uh she had been on a job with him three four years by this time, and he she wanted him to make um, to make a choice. She didn't want to be a police wife anymore. And he told her, "Yeah, I'm not going to do that." And so they were still married years later. But she she had. She had decided that was not the life for her. Um, But I think that uh, where I'm going with this is that police wives are super, super heroes. They are tough as nails. Because, I mean, it's just amazing the fortitude and the courage and the strength it takes to be a police wife. And one time, uh, one night, uh, we lived in a cul-de-sac when our kids were younger, and i was I was working patrol and um, and my wife heard a car pull up in front of our house, and so she peeked out the window and it was a black and white. And her heart just stopped. So what I what I, and, and let me know if this is if this is off limits or anything like that. But the the elephant in the room for me is that well to get back to that story, whenever a police car pulls up in front of a police house,
2: not good news.
1: It's not good news a lot of times, and so she saw that. And it turns out the police car was from the city we lived in, and they were going to a car a, car, a call. They they didn't know we lived there, but boy, I'll tell you, it just it just stopped her in her tracks. Mm-hmm. When a police officer leaves their home every day and they kiss their spouses goodbye, there's always that thing with, are they going to come home?
2: And that's what you mean by the elephant in the room is that's, just right.
1: That's what, that's what people don't get is that that's not a, uh, my husband is going to go skydiving. My wife is going to go, uh, climb a mountain and you know in the himalayas and and it's very very dangerous once in a lifetime this is every stinking day they walk out that door what is your advice to potential police officers and their families with regard to this thing that kind of hangs over your head the whole time that they're working patrol
3: I think if you constantly think about that, you're going to drive yourself crazy. There's just certain things. I mean, I can be a control freak at times with certain things, but that's one thing I know I can't control. I can't control what happens at work. I can't control other people. I can't control my husband and how he deals with the situation. You just have to have trust that their training, that their partner's training is going to get them through any situation that they are going to come across. And kind of try to leave it at that. I mean, if you're if you're gonna still think of every scenario, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? You're literally gonna drive yourself crazy. And it's gonna hurt your marriage because now you're not gonna trust your husband, you know, trust him at work. You're not gonna trust um, you know, what he's telling you is true because you're always thinking the worst. You can't think worst case scenario. You have to prepare for it, you know, have have those conversations. Okay, what happens if you're injured at work and you're, you they medically retire you because you can't now what are we going to do financially? Like the, the practical things you have to think of mm-hmm. it practically. Um, if you're, you know, injured or killed in the line of duty, you kind of have to talk about that stuff. It sucks. It's not something we want to talk about, but you know, what kind of funeral do you want to have? What kind do you want to be buried or do you want to be cremated? Like those things I think any family has to talk about. You should talk about that stuff. My parents didn't. And um, my dad passed away when I was 17. So my mom was a 43 year old widow and um, things that she didn't think about, you know, now being the child and seeing that happen. I made sure when I got married that we did deal with those things, police officer or not. So I think um, you just can't concentrate on the negativity and just hope and and pray that their training works for them and You know, nobody wants to get that phone call. We had somebody in our group, um, her, her husband was involved in a very bad traffic collision. And we were able as a group, we came together and we got made our hospital bag. So like, you know, you get the phone call or you get the, the police officer at your house saying, hey, your husband's been in a very bad traffic collision. We need to go to the hospital. You grab your purse if you can even remember where it is and you go. So as our group, we got together and we got like tissues, a, a phone charger, a universal phone charger, um, hand wipes, aspirin, all the things that you wouldn't think to need, but you probably need if you're at the hospital for several days. So we, as our group, we try to kind of prepare for the unexpected just to to remind people that we need a plan for that. Because if it does happen, you don't want to be completely lost and not know what to do. and. You yeah. not know what your husband would want you to do and stuff. So, yeah, you just can't concentrate on that, though. You need to just hope that everything's going to work out okay and they're going to come home to you. I
2: well, think I- that people who have faith, like, <laughs> that is rely on that because mm-hmm. that's a big thing that's going to bring you – I mean, that's going to bring you a lot of comfort in a lot of times where otherwise there might not be none or there might not be any, that there would be none. So mm-hmm. I think – I don't know. I, that's one thing. Like, Ken, you mentioned, you know, skydiving or whatever is once in a lifetime or when people leave for work, there's always that like, you know, that, oh, they're going to get in a car accident on the way to work or something bad could happen. And that's that's true for anybody. But to the like in this profession, the mm-hmm. degree or like just, you know, they're on the road more, they're driving more <laughs> all day, Everything is heightened. The statistics or the chances of that happening to them are higher. And I think that, yeah, everything you said totally makes sense and you mm-hmm. need to be practical about it. You need to be aware of it, but just kind of have faith and say your prayers and hope that they have a good guardian angel. That's going to help them get through the day. I don't know. Yeah, that's I my asked take my on wife,
1: it. I asked my wife about it years later um, after I had retired. I said, you know what? You you didn't really seem to be worried about about (laughs) if anything happened to me when i was working patrol she's
2: all your insurance policy have you seen (laughs) it (laughs) and
1: she said she said to me no i mean i wasn't i wasn't that worried because i I knew you trained a lot and i knew you were good at what you did yeah and so her faith was in that i would be able to take care of any situation that i came up with and that gave her a lot of comfort um being Mm uh um, um having the faith that i would be able to handle anything that came along. So that, I never thought about that, but that, that would be true. In closing, Jen, what would you say to police candidates, police uh, potential police, family members um, going into this profession? What's your best advice to them to be able to navigate and to survive 30 years of hate (laughs) from people?
2: She's all F <laughs> the haters. That <laughs> that <is> true. Um, <laughs> yes. True them.
3: Um just roll with it. Don't let them get the best of you because that'll end your career sooner than you thought. Um I'm not saying stand there and take it, but just kind of roll with it. Just that's the other person's problem. You can't change what they think. You can be the example, you know, always the community outreach and stuff like that. Don't waste those opportunities. You know, if a kid waves at you driving down the street, don't think you're, don't be smug or think you're too good for it. That little kid, you might change their life by just waving at them or giving them a sticker. I know people laugh about that stuff, but my kids get super excited when they get a little sticker. And uh, we just had some deputies in our area go to one of the little league games and all the kids ran up to them and they all wanted stickers and they were so proud to put their little badge Mm. sticker on their chest. And, some of them were putting it on the wrong side, and the deputy said, "Oh no, you got to put it on this side over your heart." Like just something like that can make such a difference in that person's life for the rest of their life. They're always going to remember that. So I just think if you're entering, do it with the best of intentions. You know, you're not doing it. Obviously, you're not doing it for the money because you guys should get paid way more than you do. Um, not to say that as a spouse wanting more money, but just in general just for <laughs> putting your life on the line and, and all the stuff that you have to deal with um, should get paid a lot more, but do it for the right reasons. Always have the integrity to do the right thing, even when nobody's watching, because that that's who you are. And you're going to people take notice. You think they're not watching and they do, um, for as far as the families just be as supportive as you can. It's, it's not easy. Um, not here to tell you, Oh, it's, it's so easy for us. You know, I, I worked in law enforcement before it doesn't make it easy. It makes it a little bit more understandable. It's not easy, but, It can be done. Um, There's a lot of us out there. There's a lot of family members out there. There's a lot of support out there for us now before there wasn't. And I'm noticing a lot more now. There's a lot of support, not just from people supporting police, but just actual support groups that you can join that are pro police family and stuff and people that you can lean on. You know Um, I think you need to find your people. You need to find like your tribe of people that you can lean on that understand Um, you might have a neighbor that you get along with, but they're not going to understand the police wife life or the police family life. Um, You don't want to only have friends that are police officers either. You want an array of friends, but the people that you hold really close to you that totally understand. And hopefully they also have kids if you have kids so that the kids kind of have other police families that they can play with and stuff. It's just nice to have people who understand what you're going through and what you deal with day to day um, makes you, helps make you forget a little bit, or it helps make you feel like I'm not alone alone, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not feeling like you're not alone is a big thing. It's such a simple concept, but it's such a big, big thing to know other people who, whether they're your department or another department, I think it's just very helpful to have that. So a support system will really get you through it.
1: Yeah, guys, there's, um, for our listeners, there's tons of, um, I don't know if there's tons, but I see a lot of, uh, of spouse groups and the spouse groups are open to wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, husbands. Um, are, are, are they, are the same groups open to, to family members, like moms and dads, or is it, is it basically mostly spouses?
3: Every group is different. Our group, yeah, our group in particular, we're private and we're hidden. So you can't even look us up on Facebook. You'd have to email us to be invited And um, we ask a few questions just for um, to make sure we're not letting the wrong people in. We actually had to block somebody once because they had um, hashtag defund the police on their Facebook profile. So we obviously (laughs) didn't let them in our group, but um, (laughs) they didn't think we'd look, I guess. But um, we we for our group in particular, it's spouses. So it's males or females. uh, If you're a sworn spouse. So there's a lot of civilians on the department, but for our group in particular, we want to reach out to spouses just because even as a, like all of us spouses were girlfriends at one time. So I'm not trying to say like there's a hierarchy or anything like that whatsoever. Um, But, but as a spouse, there's different worries than there is as a girlfriend, you're still worried about their safety and stuff. But once you're a spouse, especially once you, you have kids, with this person um, there's a lot of other things that you deal with that you wouldn't any other time of, it, you know, dating allows, or whatever. So.
2: I think it allows you guys to focus on those unique supports. Like it allows you to focus on, you know, yes. the, the, the important things that, that, you know, they'll look forward to or once they get to that point or just to kind of focus on the more important things yeah. um, that are, yeah, that even are in our group, common. Like a final yeah, we have a file section
3: so like if you have a kid and you need to add your baby to insurance, like I have all that information on there on how to do that. So you don't have to reinvent awesome. the wheel and figure it out yourself. So like we try to do a lot of things like that. We also do like we have a beach day, we have weekly hikes where we can get together, we have online Zoom meetings. Um we make care packages for I don't like to say widows, I call them surviving spouses. Um we make mm-hmm. care packages for some of them. We raise money for families. Um we just try to help families within our department as much as we can financially or just, you know, peer support wise. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of groups out there. There's different ones. There's like some aren't as private as ours some are a little bit more open or they're just like a a blue line support on Facebook or whatever the groups may be. There's some for parents. I mean, Facebook's great for groups. They have groups for almost anything. And if there isn't one that exists, you can create one and you'll find a lot of people who are willing to join because they're seeking that too. They just didn't have the wherewithal to, to create one, but yeah, Yeah. there's a lot of support out there. A lot.
1: Yeah. And we're not focusing, we're not focusing specifically on, 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 on female spouses It's just that Overwhelmingly The majority of police officers In the nation are male And mm-hmm. so we kind of gravitate Towards police spouses Police girlfriends mm-hmm. and stuff But um, So I mean If you need to find a group And mm-hmm. I would I would encourage people To find a group If you're If you want to get in that I mean it's better to be in a group Where you go Police officers are great And then everybody goes Ah yeah, 200 likes You know That's the best place to mm-hmm. be For your mind If you get into in the debate groups and things like that you're wasting your time so go to a place where it's friendly where you feel welcome and and get in those groups to get encouraged um right and uh i would highly suggest that whether it's facebook yeah probably facebook is probably the best place to do it there's tons of groups Mm -hmm. on there jen you have absolutely been amazing this is probably one of the best episodes (laughs) we've ever done um christine do you have anything else that you wanted to add
2: I I do think that this is a super important topic because I mean it's it's kind of like a hidden thing that maybe is forgotten sometimes that it's like you know yeah. people are thinking about this profession you really focus on just that person and what they're going to have to look forward to but I do think that this is really important. I've enjoyed this a lot. I really appreciate you coming on and I think it's definitely like very very helpful and eye-opening information for lots of people. So Um, and, and you're like a delight to talk to also. So, um, I've enjoyed (laughs) having you you on and I appreciate you joining us. Thank
1: you. And thank you again. We appreciate it. And Christine, I will see you in a couple weeks in a, in a week. And we'll do this all over again. Okay. Sounds good.
0: (laughs) righty. Thanks for listening to the police applicant podcast. We are the premier police background prep site in the U.S. and Canada. For more information on scheduling your police background consultation, go to policebackground.net. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes.